This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 715 with Dr. Sasha Hines. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 715. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Dr. Sasha Hines is an academic who went mainstream, using her background as a developmental psychologist to become a mindset coach who teaches people the science of getting unstuck. An expert in positive psychology and adult development, Dr. Hines has based her entire career on helping clients make real transformations, giving them the tools to develop their mental fitness by facing challenges and breaking our mind's default modes for stress, self-criticism, and anxiety. Dr. Hines received her BA from Harvard, her PhD in developmental psychology from Columbia, and her master's in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania, where she also served as a faculty member. She was one of the first 33 people in history to receive a degree in positive psychology. I was first introduced to Dr. Sasha Hines through multiple time guest and friend of the show, Andrea Owen, and she told me quite a while ago, she's like, you need to have Sasha Hines on the show. And so it's happening, friends. It's happening. Dr. Sasha Hines is here to share the growth curve that all adults face that no one talks about, the developmental edge that motherhood brings to us the moment we become mothers, how the self-help industry can be harmful to people, the difference between technical and adaptive problems, the three P's of socialized mindset, perfectionism, people-pleasing, and paralysis. Perhaps you can relate to some of those. The concept of moving from a socialized mindset to being self-authored and the truth about life hacks, in quotes, and what is required for actual growth and change. Oh, this was such a fun, juicy, just meaty conversation. You might want to listen more than once. So please join me in welcoming Dr. Sasha Hines to the Shameless Mom Academy. Sasha, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here. Hi, Sarah. So happy to be here too. I have to tell our audience how we got in touch with each other for this conversation. So your PR people reached out to me and I like burst out laughing because our mutual friends, Andrea Owen and Britt Frank were, have mentioned you like 18 times to me and said like, oh, we should do an introduction and we'll connect you to Sasha. And then your PR team. <laughs> me. So, so funny. Here we are. The universe was working with us. For this I, know, one, for I love sure. those ladies. So <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. I know actually I had so much fun. They were out here in June. They were in my 
That's hometown right. for the wellness festival. Both of them were speakers. Yes. So yeah. Yes. So, fun. so you have, is that an annual festival that you run? No, 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 oh, I don't. It's not, I'm it's just not your to, event. Not at all. Okay. I just get to enjoy it, but uh, okay. it's, and it's fantastic. The Sun Valley wellness festival. I think it's the longest, well, I think it's now officially the Sun Valley wellness festival in conference, but I think it's oh. the longest wellness gathering in the United, like, I think it's the longest standing wellness festival in the, in the U S. So cool. Yeah. They both spoke so highly of it. And I was like, oh, I need to put that on my calendar. Also, I need a reason to go to Sun Valley because I've heard so many great things about it. They have incredible speakers every year and do such a great job of curating the, you know, new speakers ever. It's just awesome. It's such a fun thing to go to and endless learning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm making a note. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio. So we can dig in a bit. And tell us what you're most excited about right now. Oh my gosh. The the dynamics of my personal and professional life. I'm like, do we have 10 hours? (laughs) Um, You know, I'm a working mom. Um, I'm a working mom that grew up with a not working mother. So I'm sort of a lot of my life. I feel like I'm kind of making it up as I go along, learning Mm -hmm. on the job. And what am I most excited about? I'm most excited about helping women and men too, but I really prefer working with, I love working with women because I so understand sort of like the tension points for women, I think better than I do for men. So I've sort of gravitated working with women, but you know, I'm just so excited about helping women continue their own growth and development, get back on their growth curve. You know, we don't really talk about our adult developmental growth curve. We talk about children's growth curves, but we have growth curves too, Mm -hmm. as adults. And oftentimes when we're stuck in adulthood, it's really not about pathology and something that's terribly, you know, I think we look for these answers and like, oh, I never dealt with that thing that happened when I was such and such years old. And maybe, and sometimes I think those can be incredibly profound and helpful to work with a psychotherapist and unpack things from the past and how we became the way we are, et cetera. But oftentimes I I think it's like, no, this is just normal adult developmental challenges and that we all need to go through. And we don't have the structure or the support in adulthood to tackle those things. So, you know, to me, it's like, you know, can we just have a little bit of a normal, not so heavy conversation about (laughs) adulting's hard. And the tasks that I am faced in my forties and my mid forties are different than the ones that I faced in my thirties and different than my twenties. And there'll be different things I'm dealing with in my fifties and so on and so forth. And different than the developmental tasks that my parents are dealing with in their late seventies. So, you know, I think that we forget, we have this sort of like monolithic view of adulthood, whereas like like you arrive one day and then you're just there. Yeah. Like you just, (laughs) here you are, you, you know, it's like you've stepped into adulthood and then you're there, but that's complete crap in the same way. You know, it's not like, you know, we have a real nuanced and understanding of children's development over time. And there's so much growth and there's so many developmental tasks that they have to transcend over those years. And that doesn't stop, but it does culturally in some way. And then people sort of feel like, well, I'm stuck. I don't know why it's like, well, because you know, you kind of hit your growth edge. Mm. Yeah. So can you say more about the growth curve? I haven't heard this. And as you're talking about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense and resonates. I think probably with all of our listeners as well. What is the growth curve and why has no one told us about it? Yes, exactly. Um, (laughs) There's more obviously emphasis on child development. I'm a developmental psychologist, but I focus on adults, not children. You know, there's Robert Keegan and George Valiant. I love, I mean, George is the one most wonderful human being. What a great guy. And was one of my professors at Penn. He took Eric Erickson's work and sort of, you know, extended it into adulthood. So looking at different developmental stages, tasks, what is the thing we're supposed to be learning internalizing the challenges that we're supposed to be transcending and looking at that developmentally over time. Robert Keegan sort of extended and looked at Piaget's work and Mm -hmm. extended that kind of subject object tension and how that continues on into adulthood. That's all very academic and kind of boring for people. But I would say like everything I do as a coach is looking at the subject object dynamic. We're subject to our beliefs. We're subject to our thoughts about ourselves. We're subject to cultural ideas and then don't have any freedom and we get stuck in these beliefs. And our job as an adult is to make those beliefs object, is to be able to distance ourselves from them so we can see them as an object. Mm-hmm. And then we have freedom to decide, is that who I am? Is that how I want to be? Is it true that I'm 
you know, never going to be able to do X, Y, Z, or I'm not good at this or whatever limiting, you know, people call them in self-help word, limiting belief, Mm -hmm. whatever limiting belief that might be, you know, our job is to transcend them and to question them and uh, question the assumptions we have. So that is exactly what a kid is doing when they have these kind of quantum leap perspective shifts. So they begin to understand things in a more sophisticated way. They, you know, from object permanence, right? So mom's gone, she doesn't exist. (laughs) To mom's gone, she's coming back. Right. In a little bit, Right. right? That's massive cognitive shift. We have the same kind of Copernican shifts in adulthood too, but we don't really pay much attention to it and don't have really a structure to to do that work in adulthood. Oh my gosh, this is so interesting. So I also think that connecting this to motherhood because motherhood changes identity so much. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about a growth curve or growth edge and being in a new developmental phase as a mom, I'm thinking about like us walking through our children's developmental phases as we're in our own developmental phases. And I haven't thought, I've never considered that like maybe that's part of why it's hard because we're like growing together instead of just overseeing them growing, which I think is what we're told is happening. And like, we're told we're all the same and just watching them or overseeing them. Not that we're like guiding their growth and also <laughs> enduring our own growth. Absolutely. The idea that we, I mean, I, doesn't every mom or parent moms and dads have the same experience where they get to the hospital all of a sudden, you know, you've been pregnant for nine months, all the anticipation, all that. Anyway, you have the baby. And then all of a sudden you've got this child and they're like, bye, see ya, off you go. And you're carrying your child in the car seat. And you're thinking to yourself, oh my Lord, what am I doing? I'm not qualified. Mm. How am I? What? You know, like it's complete and total for me. (laughs) It's like, oh God, what is happening? You know, I don't think I've, I mean, like think about all my academic work and the ritual around like, you are now bequeathed. You are now a colleague. Like you go through all of your dissertation hearings and you get your robing ceremony and they're designating you as like, you know, you're qualified as a colleague, but you have a child and you walk out of the hospital and there you are. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. Right. So yeah. the idea, and then we have this sort of like, I don't know, just agree that, okay, you have a child and you're a mother. And I, by the way, I'll tell you the story. So I had my son and I, I had a really tough birth with my oldest and um, we were in New York and I, I was TMI to all of you listening. Sorry. But you know, I was hemorrhaging really badly after I gave birth to him. I was didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have anyone out advocating for me, you know? So, but anyway, they took my son away and they were trying to figure out what to do because I was hemorrhaging so badly. And then my, finally, you know, I, I got my son back after a number of hours, but I look back, I'm like, oh my God, why didn't I just say, no, he's staying with me. I was, didn't know. I was following the lead of the expert. Right. Right. So I had this a tough delivery. I was physically so depleted. And that night in the hospital, I remember the nurse in the maternity ward who had not had any conversation whatsoever with the people in the actual delivery ward about what had happened. And, you know, she just looks at me and she was like, okay, so you're going to get up every three hours and, you know, breastfeed and okay, see you later. And I'm looking at her like deer in headlights, like, wait, what? I don't like, what do you mean? And I'm so exhausted and shattered. You're like barely alive, (laughs) barely alive, truly. Yeah. I mean, my crit levels and my hemoglobin levels were so low that there was like a lot of conversation about whether I was going to get transfused or not. I mean, it was like scary. The whole situation yeah. is scary. My husband was like, you'd sit up and it was like war crime, like happening. It was so terrifying to everybody wow. in the room. And he was like, he, you didn't know, but I could see the rotation of doctors and this look on their face and everyone was mm-hmm. concerned. And so anyhow, I'm having a horrible day <laughs> and this nurse in the maternity ward looks at me and she just looks at me with like so much attitude. And I, I'm looking at her like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out. Right. I'm by myself. Yeah. Um, Cause of course in my, like, I'm so tough. I was like, Oh honey, you were up all night last night. Go home and sleep. Yeah. One of us to sleep. Oh, crazy. What am I thinking? Anyway. Yeah. So my husband goes, home. I'm by myself in the hospital. And she's telling me like, here's what you need to do. And she looks at me and I'm like, yeah, she said, yeah, you're a mother now was so much, so shame was so much, you know, mm. edge. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is, you're a mom now, like get it together, woman. And I just remember looking at her like, I am so not prepared for this. Oh, oh 
I needed someone to be like, it's, you're going to be fine. It's okay. No, she was just like, yeah, you're a mom now get with it. So that was my rude awakening into motherhood. And I thought, oh, wow, there's so many things I'm not ready for, but I'm going to have to get ready pretty darn quickly because here we are. Right. So and it's like this for everyone. At some point, they have that moment where they're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is a lot. But, you know, I digress with my story about my son, but, you know, I, that was the, my first moment of recognizing like, whoa, this is really a big deal. Like I'm responsible for mm-hmm. this little human being and the weight of that responsibility hit me like in Mack truck to the face, you know, yeah. that night. And I thought, as you were also like put in a position to deny that you were, had just gone through like physical trauma. Totally. Like, you know, it was like, I'm good. I'm cool. You know, (laughs) should have been, it should have been an indicator that when they like rolled in the little, like, you know, rubber chicken from the cafeteria meal, I started sobbing because I was like, I think they told me to eat a hamburger. I couldn't even keep myself together. Like I was such a mess. Oh my gosh. I was such a mess, but you know, I shall not opine on, um, needless to say, I didn't have my second child in New York city, but, um, (laughs) I was like, let's go to a small hospital. People are really nice. And you deliver in the same room and they, you know, and they sort of recover in the same room you deliver in. You know, it's just like every mom has that moment of like, you know, whoa. And you realize that there are parts of you that are not grown up. Yeah. There are parts of me that felt like a child. Like I wanted to have a mom in that moment. Mm -hmm. What did I want more than anything in that moment right then? I wanted my mom. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think so many mothers are trying to mother who want to be mothered, who need to be mothered. There's so much our having kids is like, in so many ways, I think it sort of like gives us points of spotlight on those parts of us that need to are that need a little bit of growing up that need maybe a little bit of nurturing, but yeah, we're growing alongside our children. And here's the thing. If we're not growing alongside our children, right. If we're not growing too, we're not leaving room for our children to grow. Right. So our stunting can stunt like we're all stunting. Right. So I actually, really love working with adults because I think that, you know, I mean, the trite metaphor of, you know, in the airplane, put the oxygen mask on the adult first. Mm -hmm. But I think women sidestep their own need and growth and focus on the kids. Yeah, absolutely. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And they're specifically designed to combat 
chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. I want to, you mentioned the self-help industry a little bit ago, and I want to connect what we're talking to back to the self-help space a little bit. You say that the self-help industry has ignored change and that true adult development revolutionized that space. Can you talk a little bit about, I'd love to hear your perspective, especially with, you have such, I've read your bio a couple of times (laughs) in preparation for this interview. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what a like solid isn't the right word, but like a really impressive background. And I'm kind of dying to, I like, I want you to dish the dirt on the self-help industry <laughs> when you come from the place that you come from and you have the degrees that you have. There's a lot of things that this, and there's things that it gets, does well and gets right, but there's a lot of things that it, there's holes there for sure. Well, you know, I work within more, I would say the self-help world than I do in the psychological world, Mm -hmm. you know, as a practitioner. So there's a lot of awesomeness to it. But what I would say is that, you know, I'm a real advocate of like, let's ground this work in theory. Let's actually look at it with a little bit more rigor. And because the problem with self-help and is that what happens is, and by the way, well-intended, like I'm not suggesting that this is all necessarily bad. I'm sure that we could find examples where uh, like, you know, someone who's maybe less than honorable, but in general, I would say what happens is someone has like their own awakening, their own growth, their own like profound change. Right. And then they're like, I just want to share this with everyone. I want Mm -hmm. everyone to know that if they just do these things and their life is going to get so much better Mm -hmm. and they take their own example, their own experience, and then generalize it to everybody. And that's not how things work. Right. That is why we have science, right? Because in science, what we're looking at is in general, what is correlated in general, how does this affect, you know, when we're looking at like a treatment group versus a placebo group or versus a control group, right? We're looking like, can we, do we see a statistical different, you know, statistically significant difference if this person get if this group gets the treatment versus this group? Right. Okay. And the effect sizes, even when they're big, they're small. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in any program, you're going to have someone who's an outlier. It's like, this changed my life. But the question is, does it work for most people? And that's not how self-help is set up at all. Right. So it's like, and my only concern about that is that for the people that are like, well, it didn't work for me. Right. We see this in the diet industry. They're like, well, that didn't Uh, work Everything you've said, I've been like, oh, there's so many, I worked in the fitness industry for 15 years and there's so Mm -hmm. many correlate or uh, parallels in what you're saying. Right. Or someone's like reads, I don't know, the myriad books that are about a morning routine and wake up at five and do this and that, by the way, they're all written by men. They're all written by men. I, the yeah, only woman that I know in this t- time management space is Laura Vanderkam, brilliant yeah, woman. Yeah, and I love yeah, her work. Great. I mean, she's not a social scientist, but, or she's not a psychologist, but I, she, I love, she's precise and she does her own research. And I mean, she may as well have she's great. She's uh, been on the show. Yeah. Yeah. She may as well have her own a doctorate in psychology. Like she's brilliant, no, but I appreciate her perspective because she is coming from like, I'm a mother, you know, right. and my life is different. The rhythm to my day is different. But anyhow, like I just, Hey, if you wake up at five in the morning and then your life is going to be amazing. It's like, okay, really? (laughs) 
Yeah. Like that's just, it's not taking into account anything, what someone's morning looks like, what, you know, do they have, what stressors they have in their life, what variables they have in their life, what their chronotype is. I don't know. I mean, there are so Mm -hmm. many other things that matter. And there was these kind of like general, like if you do these things at this time and this is, you're going to be superhuman. It's like, no, that's not true. You know, you don't have to work out in the morning. Guess what? You know what? You can work out at four o'clock. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, by the way, guess what? We did that for most of our life. When we were in school, we mm-hmm. went to school. Then we worked out. We went to gym or our sports team practices in the afternoon. It didn't make the kids less productive. You know, so there's these like kind of rules that, I think that people get really hung up on, like, I've just got to get the rules right. Mm -hmm. I think that's where self-help doesn't help people. Self-help doesn't help because (laughs) it kind of gives us this idea that there's these, um, here are the 10 steps to, you know, perfection. (laughs) Here are the 10 steps to fitness. Here are the 10 steps or the secrets, right? To doing X, Y, Z. And and really what I would say is that like, hey, and I'm here, what I do love about the self-help world and the growth and personal development world is that at least they're talking about growth and development for adults. So yay. Yeah. But the growth of the, you know, growth, curve and the growth trajectory of, of adults is really about questioning our beliefs, becoming more internally, our self-concept becoming more internalized. So being less concerned about what some valued person thinks about us and more concerned about what we think about us. Mm-hmm. That's a developmental challenge. So, you know, I think that most of what self-help is like, hey, these things are good. And I also think there's kind of like a morality around it. Like if you, you know, wake up early, you're a better person. If you eat in a certain way, you're a better person. If you, I'm like all of that, so right. There's some kind of weird morality thing that's kind of attached to it, which is to me, yeah. seems really silly. It's like, no, the question should really be, what kind of relationship do you have with yourself? Have you developed a deeper, more nuanced, more sophisticated relationship with yourself? Mm-hmm. That morality piece is really interesting. I saw this in the first time, my first business coaches I hired back in like 2010. It was so interesting the way that they coached. So they were business coaches coaching people in the fitness industry. So there was like toxicity around that they very much thought that if you were a fitness business owner, that you had to look a certain way because that was part of your brand. So there was that piece. And then there was Mm -hmm. also this piece around like, how you marketed and like basically shame people into buying your stuff and all these different things. And then it was also about like how you built habits. And so after my son was born, I was like, oh my God, I cannot help women shrink their bodies anymore. That is so not aligned with my core values. It's also not aligned with my core values that like, they were like, well, you should just get up at like four every morning and like do all these things to like build your business by 7am every day. And then also that you should market to your people by identifying their pain points and making them feel really horrible and then offering them a... So it was these layers of like recognizing that I didn't trust them. And then I was like realizing, oh, this is making it really clear what my values are like as a woman, as a business owner, as a fitness business owner, as someone who wants to invite people into services with me, as someone who wants to help people in an ethical way. Like it really, and I was with them for a couple of years, a few years even. And I really became clear over time, like my core values continued to evolve in a way where I was like, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> I cannot sit in this room any longer. Um, but it, it took being like really, it took having to really check myself as they said pretty egregious things over time where I was like, oh yeah, now I know who I am. <laughs> and it's not a person who sits right. in this room. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, you know, life is hard and it's challenging and often, you know, we're making it up as we go along. We don't really know what the roadmap is. We're doing our best. And so it's normal that people would feel insecure or have challenges or um, have self-doubt. Like it's all very normal. And I wish that the conversation was more of like, Hey, this is just normal. This is normal adulting. Like, let's do this. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's totally okay. But yeah, you know, I think that there is this side of idea that, okay, you do these and, you know, you have to do something a certain way and then you're going to have the magic algorithm to hack life perfectly. And it's just, that's so stupid. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love it. Life. Yes. Also, you talked about time management, all being like time management books are all written by men with the exception of Laura and also all the life hacking also all by men. It's so interesting. I know what is that about? I don't need to be a life hacker. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, there are things that like, that is awesome to do something maybe more efficiently or 
to learn something that improves the quality of your life or makes you feel better. But I would like, I mean, for so many people out there, I would say, look, you're going to get far more bang for your buck by just removing a few things from your life than listening to all these podcasts. And we're on a podcast. So listen to this one. I get obviously (laughs) (laughs) this one is really important. No, but I mean, you know, I am a learning junkie. Okay. So I Mm. love to learn. I love, I'm constantly learning. I'm like insatiably curious. I love all that stuff. And so there's nothing wrong with that. I love consuming information and then playing with it and trying to understand it more. Like that's just so much fun. Mm -hmm. However, you know, I think that we all, there's like this hope of like, I'm just going to find this one thing. It's going to somehow magically make life not so hard. No, like, (laughs) sorry, life is great. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I think my hope, and I see this in my community in such a profound way, I think over time we become better critical thinkers. And so we do become the people and especially like people who just love learning and especially love learning. Like I have a background in sociology and psychology, so I could just like eat up conversations like this all day long. I think over time we become better critical thinkers and we can read or hear or digest something and be like, Yeah, but, and I think like our, yeah, but radar gets like way more fine-tuned over time to be like, okay, yeah, like parts of that might be true. And also like, there's some Mm -hmm. other things that could be true, or this might work for some people or be true for some, but not for others. Or there's like just other dynamics that are potentially being overlooked or ignored um, and maybe completely excluded. And I think that piece, my hope is that as people listen to conversations like this and the podcast that they choose to listen to is that that critical thinking piece becomes more and more sophisticated so that people can practice discernment around what they're taking in. And then when you do hear someone who's like, I have the one magical tip and you're like, yeah, like I can integrate your tip, but like, it's probably not going to be the only tool in my toolbox. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, lots of thoughts on this. I mean, I am human too, you guys. And so, I mean, I was laughing. This was the Sun Valley Wellness Festival. I don't know, like many years ago, but I was in the process of getting my doctorate. So I'm a actual researcher and an actual social scientist is what I do as my day job. And there was like this thing in the, you know, they have the little uh, room where they have like all these little booths and people are selling stuff and whatever. Yeah. The vendors. Okay. So I'm in there with a friend and there's this thing. It's like before and after and the before and after pictures look so amazing. And I was like, honestly, like my entire internal world is screaming at me like, buy the thing. <laughs> it's amazing. And I was like, but I do have this one little piece in my mind. It's like, no, no, you, you're trained to know right. that this is not accurate. But, right. and yet like I spend my life about that. This is not true. Like what you're seeing is fake or you're right. Like it's one, maybe one person's and there may be multiple factors that contributed to that better after, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not just the thing that they're selling. Right. But I mean, it's like, oh, but my brain is like, no, no, I have to have it and need that thing. It's going to change like, my yes. life. Like, I'm susceptible to it too. Yep, right. Like totally. I have to sometimes like with a dog leash, like pull myself away. You know, I was just saying like, like bridle, like a stubborn horse. Like I had to lead myself away from something, even though I'm like, no, 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 this looks really awesome. No, (laughs) come on, Sasha, you know, and I have to walk away. So, and I'm like, I'm trained to be skeptical about those things. And so, you know, I think it's powerful and it's persuasive, but I would say like the biggest issue that I have with most of the, and I said, especially in like the, well, like the larger sort of like wellness world is there is a, people do not distinguish between a technical problem and what we call an adaptive problem. So a technical problem is, you know, my microphone doesn't work and I need a new microphone or I don't know how to use, I, like my example always is like, my technical problem is I don't know how to do reels on Instagram. Mm, like I don't know how to same, do them. Same. I just don't. Right. So they're all like, <laughs> really basic. And if they're not basic, it's because someone else has helped me done it for me, but I don't know how to do it. Okay. So there is a technical solution to this problem. And that means like I could hire or talk to someone who's an expert in reels and they teach me how to do it. It's there is an, there is a knowledge gap and it's very easily solved by an expert. Hey, okay. now there is an adaptive problem here too. And the adaptive problem is a mindset problem it's that I, okay, you can know how to do a reel, but then you've got all your thoughts and feelings about doing a reel. Okay, mm-hmm. those are adaptive problems. <laughs> I definitely have thoughts and feelings. And so do I, right? Like, <laughs> I don't want to be that, you know, mid middle-aged woman pointing at stuff on the screen. Yeah. 
stupid. Like I'm, I'm embarrassed for you. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be that person because I have, it's an unwanted identity. Yeah. Okay. This is not a technical problem that's solved by a hack. This requires me to actually understand what's the assumption I have about this unwanted identity and what does it mean? What do I make it mean? And then I have to really dismantle the belief system around it. Like people won't right. take me seriously or it's foolish or it's embarrassing. Okay. Why? Like what's at stake for me psychologically? Okay. So that is an adaptive problem means like we got to, it's, it's not top down. It's not like someone is coming in as an expert and telling, cause that's what you, you can go take that class on how to do it. Mm-hmm. And you'll have the knowledge top down. An expert tells it to you. Great. Important. We do need experts that can share their technical know-how. Very important. But the bigger roadblock for most people is they're trying to solve an adaptive problem with a technical solution. So that's the whole diet industry. Yeah. Right. They're trying to solve someone's entire like messy mindset around that food, weight, all the things they make it mean with like, here are the five foods you need to eat, or here's the food protocol. Just do this thing. Mm-hmm. And for most people, it's not a lasting solution. It doesn't work. Yeah. It's not one tool. Right. But it's because they're trying to solve, you know, a problem with the wrong tool. Mm-hmm. The real question is like, I don't care how amazing the food protocol you get is. If your drama is that like, I won't have a relationship with my husband if I eat this way because he thinks it's stupid. And guess what's going to win? The psychological threat of being rejected or losing a relationship is so much more intense. Mm-hmm. There's no way that you're going to follow through on that plan. Not yeah. a chance, right? So that is the real work. And I think that's all develop. It's all developmental, 100% mm-hmm. developmental work. So, you know, that is my biggest issue is that it's not that these things are wrong or bad. They can be helpful. It's that we're trying to use these sort of technical solutions to solve a mindset problem or to solve, you know, beliefs, attitudes, identities, et cetera. And it's not going to work. Mm, so good. Tell us the three P's of this, like segues, I think, right from mm-hmm. what you're saying about mindset, the three P's of a socialized mindset. So socialized mindset is Robert Keegan's work um, on immunity to change and, and adult developmental theory is, you know, that there's developmental stages. So we call it like level three would be socialized mindset. It's beyond child and adolescent. You've now into these sort of emerging adulthood and you're entering into sort of socialized mindset. There's a lot of benefit to being, and like a concentric, you know, rings in a tree. It's not that any of these are bad, but we want to transcend them. We want to move through them. So there's a lot of value to the socialized mindset. Socialized mindset is like, you know, you internalize that you are a part of a community and that your behavior and the way you show up and what you do matters to other people. So a sense of empathy, a sense of understanding that like you're part of, you know, many, that it's not a doggy dog world that you have to understand that like, you know, you're considerate and thoughtful about how does this impact somebody else? Very important. It makes someone a really good employee, a really good soldier, a really good, Mm -hmm. like you're good at following the rules. You're really good at like, if someone gives you, here are the things that you need to accomplish. And here's the kind of the metrics of success. That person who's like, you know, in the socialized mind, going to be really good at like, okay, I just need to do these things and then I'll be successful. So all of which is really important. We learn to be good citizens and to be, to play well with others. All that's really important. And then the problem is though, is that when we stay stuck in this socialized mindset, the sort of hallmark of the socialized mindset is that you, your sense of self is constructed externally. So you're looking at other people to kind of get a sense of like, am I good? Am I okay? How am I doing? Mm-hmm. Does my boss think I'm doing a good job? Oh, do my parents approve? Do my friends approve? Do whatever. Does whatever cultural world you're in, like, are you following the rules, so to speak? And that's all fine until the world you live in gets too complicated for this belief system. So then you have, let's say, two valued people and they have conflicting values. Mm -hmm. And then we feel like we're torn in half. Right. You know, like, I mean, my husband believes this, but my parents believe this. 
And I can relate to this in some of the earlier years of being a parent. Like I would go be completely insane around like Thanksgiving. Like we must have these dishes. And if we don't have these dishes, I'm a bad mother. Like Mm -hmm. this is objectively nuts. Mm -hmm. It's a crazy thought, but it was like, had me by the, I was in the, you know, I was completely embedded in it. Like if I don't, you know, uphold these traditions, then I'm failing as a, as a mother. Okay. That's like totally socialized mindset. Right. So the, the, if I'm a good mom, I have to be good by these external standards that I are, by the way, are completely arbitrary. Yes. And when you say them out loud, like they, you can hear and feel how, the like ridiculousness behind them. hundred percent. But when you're not saying them out loud, when you're just sitting by yourself at home and it's in your head, it sounds very different. It sounds very rational and reasonable. And the shame is very real. <laughs> very like, it's just so it's really interesting. And then, you know, so that kind of inner conflict becomes really, really intense. And so, you know, our job as adults is to move out of this more socialized and become more self-authored. So we want to be able to look at like that belief, you know, if we don't serve whatever on Thanksgiving, was like, you know, you have to have a formal Thanksgiving. You don't have a formal Thanksgiving. Like everything is going to fall apart. And it's, this sounds so silly, but it's just, I was my thing. And, but now it's like, okay, our job as an adult is to be able to take that thing that we were completely embedded in. Like it had me by its grips. Mm -hmm. I could not see around it. Like, no, no, this is really important. And other people could look at me and be like, I'm pretty sure it's not that important. I'm like, no, you you don't understand. Right. Right. Okay. So my job as as an adult is to take that, do my best to take that belief system to defuse it uh, like from me, like it's, the belief is fused to me. I'm trying to pull it out just a little bit to be able to look at it objectively. So I'm making what I'm subject to object. I'm looking at it as an object. Okay. So I'm looking at this belief. Like if I don't have whatever the holidays, this very specific way that hap- was the way we did it when I was a child, I am failing as a mother. Then I'm looking at this like, and then I can look at it and think, okay, I can have compassion for myself for understanding this. I can understand that maybe this is my preference to have it this way, but I can hold it as an object. Like, okay, the idea that I'm like a horrible mother because I'm not going to, I'm, we're going to have, you know, more cash Thanksgiving, right? I can see it as what it is, which is like, oh, this is just a belief. It's not actually Mm -hmm. true. Like it has nothing to do with quality of my parenting. And it actually has nothing to do with how magical or meaningful, because that was the other part of the belief, right? Like it won't be as meaningful for my kids. There's nothing. So then I can hold his object and recognize like, no, we're going to have an amazing, meaningful Thanksgiving. And it can look very different than it did when I was a child. And that's okay. So I make that belief I'm subject to object. And you can even feel like, doesn't that feel more free? feels more free to me. So we begin to take these things that we're subject to and make them object. And as we do this process, become more self-authored and be able to create a more internalized self-concept. It becomes easier to make decisions. It becomes easier to, you know, what we were talking about, sort of like three Ps, right? Perfectionism, people-pleasing, analysis, paralysis, add procrastination to that mix too. All of these things become less heavy and less you know, intense because it's easier for you to make a decision because you're like, yeah, I understand that valued person, you know, maybe it's your mother, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a mother-in-law, maybe it's a friend. I recognize that they may be disappointed by this choice and that's okay, but I'm still going to make the right choice for me and I'm going to love them anyway. And it doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm okay. I'm okay with them being disappointed with me and I'm okay. Even if they express their disappointment with me, I'm like, I can hold that without feeling that I am controlled by that. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. 
let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Which is a huge, when you talk about like a develop or a, um, a growth edge and growth curve, I remember working with a mom years ago and it was, she had for multiple Christmases gone between her two sets of parents, like she had parents who were divorced and remarried and so did her partner. So there was these four sets of parents and they had operated under this belief, her and her husband had operated under this belief that they should go see four sets of grandparents on Christmas Eve and Christmas day every year. And it was this like rat race running around town and their kids had no holiday at their house because they were like trying to appease these four sets of grandparents. Yeah. And so the year that she was in our community and she's like, my only goal this year is to not do that. And it was so much for her. Like she could understand when she said it out loud, this is ridiculous that we're doing this. But when it came to like really putting a boundary in place, it was so hard and challenging and uncomfortable and really pushed her to this edge. And so we talked through like, what are different ways you can approach this? And what are some ideas? And one of the things I suggested, I was like, what if you just said like, we love you all so much and we love that you want to spend time with our family. So the Sunday after Christmas, we're going to have a brunch and you can come to our house anytime between like 11 and one, we're going to be here and drop in whenever you want or whatever. And she was like, oh my God, like we could just not leave our house and we could set a time and they could just come in and there could be like a window, like all these things. And so she ended up doing it and it was life-changing for her because it wasn't just like that one thing where she could see that she could operate in a different system. It wasn't like the one life hack, but it was really like, oh, I can tell people that their needs don't work for me, for my family, for my kids, whatever. And then I can provide an alternative that the other people didn't propose. And I can just say, this is what works instead and let them respond however they're going to respond. And it was like this revolutionary moment. And then she came at the other end. She's like, everybody needs to try this. (laughs) Right. But the thing that's so interesting is that, you know, that is such a beautiful example of how these developmental shifts occur. And, and the most important piece of it is really recognizing that you're doing it not to do something different. You're doing it to test out is the assumption that I have that it will be a horrible holiday or, you know, everyone will be mad at me and, and it's everyone will be mad at me and I can't handle that. That's always yeah. the addendum to that sentence. Oh, such a good right? addendum. <laughs> That's always the issue. It's really yeah. like, we know that people, people are, but it's like, I won't be able to handle someone being upset with me because sometimes mm-hmm. your instinct that someone's going to be really disappointed with you is totally accurate. Mm-hmm. They are. Yeah. They're yeah. about it, you know? But the question is like, the real assumption there is I can't handle them mm-hmm. being disappointed in me. Maybe you can, maybe you actually can. Yeah. You can hold their disappointment with love and, and like understanding and still stick to your guns. So, but the most important thing is that, that you're, you know, what your client's doing and what you're doing with your client is you're helping her defuse from her beliefs, look at them objectively, question them, and then question the assumptions and then apply that the next time. Like, okay, I did it here. Where does this, you know, can I test out this assumption in another arena? And you begin to feel like it's just, there's so much more freedom. It doesn't have to be this way. And you can see the little boxes we kind of get locked in because we are, we've decided like, I mean, I coach women there and they'll be so, it's so interesting because they'll say like, I'm so, there's this interesting, like, it seems so childish. I'm so embarrassed. You know, I'm I'm in my Mm, fifties. I'm so embarrassed that like, I'm so hung up on my son going to such and such a school, or I am so embarrassed that like, you know, 
I feel so less than the other moms who are doing X, Y, Z. And I'm like, yeah, okay. That's when you know that you're in a kind of social, like you're dealing with the socialized developmental mm-hmm. stuff is when you have that feeling of like, I feel kind of childish. Like, I know this is kind of embarrassing. Like I will have my women, I go be like, okay, I really don't want to like admit this, but you know, I can't make a decision about, you know, the sheets Right, right. cover for my guest bedroom. And you're like, what is wrong with me? All I'm doing is reading Amazon reviews for eight, for like seven weeks on the gray versus the light gray. You know, like nothing is wrong with you. But when we really um, pull it apart, it's like, oh, because you have a whole story around like, mm. you know, um, there's normally someone that you imagine who's going to have a comment or not like it or think it's, you know, you made the wrong decision. And so then you are trying to mitigate that like potential criticism or Mm -hmm. feeling vulnerable or whatever it is. And then you get enormously stuck and stalled. So, you know, this is, this is to me, this is very normal. And I wish that this was like the conversation around like perfectionism and people pleasing um, was one about adult development and it being normative as opposed to, you know, some pathology, like, you know, go, let's talk about your trauma. And yeah. I'm not saying that the, it can, in some cases, it could be a response to some trauma. Like that's, it's very, maybe well be true, but I just want to say for all of you guys out there, everyone at some point struggles with this mm-hmm. issue. This is developmentally normative. It's really yeah. developmentally normative. Like, think about it. You grow up in a little tiny little unit called a family. And whether or not your parents approve of you matters a lot, a lot, right? So we are, we are, we grow up in an environment and biologically, like we want our parents to approve and like us and feel secure and that we belong within our family. So we do lots of things to make that happen, right? Or we can rebel against it, but we're still acting within the system, Right. right. Okay. Then we leave our little cozy little family system and now we're out in the world. And what we do is just, we just recreate that same dynamic with other things. Do they approve of me? Do they like me? Right. Am I doing a good job? Did my boss give me a good review? You know, how am I going to like a mom coffee and hearing everyone talk about like what activities our kids are doing. And we're all like taking a tally of like, okay, wait, Am I doing enough <laughs> activities for my child? You know, right. am I letting, you know, are their kids going to be more spectacular than mine? And oh gosh, right. <laughs> so we're just engaging in that same kind of looking externally to check how am I doing? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's like, hey, this is all of our growth and development is to become more self-authored Absolutely. and to have an internalized sense of values and internalize, you know, be able to make decisions knowing that some people aren't going to like it and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Oh, I could just go on and on like geeking out on this stuff. It's so fun. Um, so fun. Okay. So I, so so good. Tell people how they can work with you, how you, yeah, where you are on the internet, on the web and how people can connect with you in your community. So I, we have a um, mind your mind is a community that I run. Um, It's the mental fitness club for women being an adult developmental club maybe didn't sound so cool. So, um, but in mental fitness, that's exactly what it is, right? So if it's it's really about like, you know, working through exactly these issues, um, we do group coaching, which by the way, group coaching is like the, in my mind is the most accelerated way to examine your thinking because you're watching someone else pull apart their thoughts and feelings and you will identify so much with them that when you're listening to someone, you're like, Oh yeah. Mm -hmm." Yep. You know, I have that same belief too. And isn't it interesting when I'm not subject to that belief, like I'm not emotionally invested in it, I can see how irrational it is. Yeah. So it's like, it really starts to poke and kind of dismantle these, you know, calcified belief systems. But anyway, it's a ton of, it's awesome and so much fun and and creating a community that, which is what I really wanted to do was where is the place to go to do this work together? That's not, um, you know, with the framework of drug addiction or alcohol or, you know, like there's a, a place to go and to grow and to develop and to do this in community and have a laugh because it's impossible to look at the human <laughs> mind without laughing about it. So much of it is 
crazy, right? Like it's, it's, we can see it objectively and we're like, oh yeah, that makes no sense. So, but yeah, mind your mind is where we do that. Um, You can find me, come talk to me on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Sasha Hines. If you liked this episode or you have any questions about it, reach out to me there to continue the conversation. And and my website is www.drsashahines.com. Love it. And is everything about mind your mind also at Sasha? At Dr. Yeah, Sasha well, Hines. there's it'll yeah, it's linked there, but okay. there's also you can go to mindyourmind.com too. Okay. I will um to find out about the um our mental fitness club. Okay. Mental. I'm making I'm adding that note, mental fitness club. I love it. <laughs> mind your mind. But I, you know, this I we have this idea, and I think this sort of like, you know, at the heart of what we're saying is that you know, you, you, you're like, oh, I'm now stamped an adult and that's it. But every, I mean, those of you that are listening us here, we know lots of adults who are extremely immature (laughs) a lot. Right. And a lot of us were raised by extremely immature adults. So the idea that maturity comes with adulthood is bunk. You have to work for it guys. And if you want your kids to develop develop yourself, give them Mm -hmm. the space. Don't take up all the oxygen in the room. Right. I mean, honest (laughs) to God, that's the truth. Like there's so many adults who are, you know, immature parents and like, they're just taking up the oxygen in the room. There's no room Mm -hmm. for their kid to grow and to develop the way to have the space they need to do it. Cause the parent is still like, you know, in their own childhood. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. So with that and this, you just covered it a bit. Final question can you tell us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom? Oh my goodness. Um, how am I showing <laughs> I mean, you just gave some great examples, but <laughs> how am I showing up as a shameless mom? Honestly, you know, I don't know. I had a Lorelai Gilmore moment this morning. I, I was, we were moving and we had the moving truck come and I was up so late last night moving furniture. My daughter who is so, she's only eight, you guys, she's in third grade. She's the most mature thing. I can't even, I love this child. She's so funny. But anyhow, she's knocking on my door, fully ready for school. I was like, mom, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to take me to school. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm like in my pajamas, in a sweater and oh I drove her to school. She's like, we are late. I'm like, I, we, well, we're not that late considering what's happening. We're like 10 minutes late, you know? Oh my gosh. Anyway. So I, I like, I walked into the lower school. I had a lower school. Like she was standing right outside the front and I was like, Hey, it's not her fault. This is a hundred percent on me. You can feel very good that your student was prepped and ready for school. And her mother was not, anyway, we were laughing about it, but I was thinking as I drove away, I mean, you guys, I mean, you can imagine what oh. I look like. I'm in my striped pajamas for, for real. And so I was good. like, you know what? Five years ago, I would have been a total shame attack around mm-hmm. like, they're going to think that I'm a horrible, like completely neglectful, yeah. irresponsible mother. My daughter is, you know, having to parent me. This is so inappropriate and I'm so embarrassed and I'm, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And I would have been in like a total shame spiral for a long time about this. And I, w- I w- drove away this morning. I was like, you know what? my daughter is going to screw up too. And mm-hmm. you know what we're going to do? She's going to have one morning where she does something and she's going to call me and she's like, oh my God, mom. And I'm like, <laughs> remember, remember when I drove you to school, right? Like, and we'll be laughing about it. So, you know, just having a sense of humor and not taking it so seriously and recognizing that like my failures are a part of her experience and they're a necessary part of her experience. And, yeah. and we have, we can, model how to handle like a massive screw up and two, and we don't even have to think about modeling anything. We just get to be like, Hey, this was just, I did my best. I did my best this morning. And my best was pajamas and, you know, no coffee, no teeth brush, literally like straight out of bed into my car. So, (laughs) you know, that was my best this morning. I love it. I love it. It's a perfect example. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Sasha, thank you so much for being here. What a fun conversation. What a stimulating and thoughtful conversation. I know that our listeners are going to have some great takeaways and I want everyone to go check out all of your resources. So we'll have everything linked up in the show notes. If people go to shamelessmom.com and click on the episode with Dr. Sasha Hines, we will have your website, your mental fitness club, mind your mind linked up, and then also all your social media handles. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much. I love this conversation about motherhood and you know, it's one that needs to happen more frequently. Definitely. Definitely.
Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.